was it? Whoa, we got some muscle out there. This is liquid gold. All right, where the calls are on hold and the fashion is old. Welcome back to Liquid Gold right here on the We Own This Town podcast network, weownthistown.net. Shout out to our producer, Michael Eads, and everybody in the We Own This Town family. I think we can almost say uh, happy holidays. We have uh, entered the month of November here, and uh, we've got a huge clash of the titans today on Liquid Gold. We're talking old-fashioned Manhattan. That's right. We're going after the big guns today. We're going to talk about these two epic cocktails. The old-fashioned being the original first cocktail. The Manhattan probably being, I don't know. It's hard to say what the best one is, but I I, I think you could make the argument that the Manhattan is arguably the best cocktail. I mean, it's, it's all subjective. We're going to get into it. Um, happy Holidays from Liquid Gold. We want to tell you about the new book, Cheer. A liquid gold holiday drinking guide out November fifteenth. We've got our we had our first event at the Wicked Market in the bag. So thanks everybody for coming out to that and picking up a copy of the book. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Cheech and Chong. We're Kenneth and I. We now promised we- um, on the podcast, I think with Abby, that we would pull that off. Yeah, we did, and we we actually pulled it off. I think you it was did, with Abby. You did well. You yeah, it was yeah. You scrambled for a beard and. Had some people help me out with suspenders and a hat, so that was a lot of fun. It's weird to promote a book, but be like right next to the stage and the DJ, so it was loud. Yeah, yeah. People come up and they're like, what's going on with the book? I was like, uh, well, we have a podcast. If you get sick of listening to us, you can read the book. Yeah, and then I, the funniest thing is that someone came up and they were like, is this empty? <laughs> like it was like a journal. We were selling like journals. They were like, "Is this empty?" I was like, "Not exactly, but that's a it's a heavy critique well, that yeah, you could give it. It's both empty and full. Yeah, it's <laughs> empty and full. Uh, check out TurnerPublishing.com where you can pre-order or order when it's out November fifteenth. Check us out at the Bookshop East, and also shout out to Parnassus. They'll have it at Parnassus. Signed copies at both those locations. So check that out. And then you can find uh, my other books and stuff and some more information at MikeWolfBooks.com, brand new website that I launched. Shout out to Ashley Dinky who put that website together for me and designed it. You can find her at DankyDesign.com, D-E-H-N-K-E-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. So yeah, check out MikeWolfBooks.com, and uh, we will be doing a little happy hour with Craig Schoen from Peninsula on Wednesday, November 16th. 5.30 to 7 p.m., pouring punches. Punches from the book and talking and mingling and hanging out. So uh, come see us for that. We are sitting on, we haven't told you our special guest yet today, but we had to bring in a big gun. He's made a lot of old fashions. He's made a lot of Manhattans. He's made all kind of different varieties over the years. He is Adam Morgan, the bar manager at Husk here in Nashville. Hey, how's it going? Took hey, over welcome. from me. <laughs> so uh, we're eventually going to pass the torch of this podcast along to you. I can't wait. Awesome. All right. How's life for you, Adam? Good. Busy. Real good, busy. Good Halloween and stuff with the kids. I saw you had uh, you were doing some Beetlejuice action this yeah, year. Yeah, we did a Tim Burton theme, so awesome. everybody got to be their favorite little character. Sweet. Yeah. I just found out Tim Burton didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas. He just produced it. Is that correct? Yeah, that's all right. We watched that. Uh, we always watch it a handful of times, but I particularly enjoyed it this year. My kids were a little bit older, so they were way, way into it, more into it than they've been before. 
Kids are nine and six now. I've never seen and, it. I've never seen it oh, all the way through. It's so good. I always fall asleep. So good. We're more of like a, a Coraline household. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coraline's a good one, too. Yeah. All right. Let's throw a shout out to Liquid Gold Artist, our logo designer. And I've worked with her on a few book projects over the years. She was formerly Jess Matchin, and now Jess Hash. I called. Uh, She's got hash in her last name. Dude, That's I, cool. I called. <laughs> I called Connor like uh, right before the uh, the the service because I wanted to make sure. I had like uh, never seen his name written down, and then I started second guessing whether I had the right pronunciation. It's but like I never... Django. The G A is silent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, so congratulations to Jess and John for their uh, nuptials. Nuptials is the word. Yeah. That's and, also a and word And also that congratulations I, to you, because you were the chaplain. You performed yeah. the, the ceremony. The, How was that? Was that stressful? Yeah, it was horrible. It's super stressful. I've done it three times. Three times? I've done it three times. How did you do it again after the first time? Oh, man, it was so much easier. Because I think you, uh, like you did, you know, you stay up all night the night before. Freaking all out, night, uh, all night, making revisions, but but what I did the second time was like, um, you know, you meet with the the couple and everything, and you're talking about how the ceremony's going to go. You talk about what you know, what do you want out of this? What what kind of structure do you want to have? Are we going religious? Are we not going religious? And the second time, I was more about outlining, and I was really just trying to rough outline. And then um, I do think you need to wait until like bef- you know, pretty close to the ceremony where you've kind of spent more time with them and you've been around the family and you really get a sense of like the whole dynamic. Yeah. And then that's when you really start to got really put it together. Everything I was feel like it has to be kind of a last minute done thing. Then pretty much I had like everything structured. I had like a whole notebook of how, like what, yeah, like yes or no questions that I wanted to go through. You like, seen literally. How much would you pay for uh, a copy of that notebook? I would love it. Like you should have seen him the week before he was just like, Stress the whole time. I'm just like watching him like come apart, and then it's like, okay, I hope, yeah, I hope this works out. <laughs> yeah, I was crumbling. I was sleeping like three hours a night, and it seemed like even then, with the days so much longer, the day kept on coming like closer and closer. I was like, ah, oh, man, I need a whole freaking day to myself to figure this out. In the end, I, I rolled down there in like dirty clothes. Like my suit had like mold growing on one of the sleeves <laughs> to take wow. care of that when I got down there. Uh, did you get it to a cleaners or something? Uh, no, no. I, uh, roll yeah, it off. Like, uh, roll off the, uh, the mold. I did what I could in the bathroom. <laughs> I was in a nice hotel at least. Like uh, that was cool. Like when I could rest, which wasn't much then. I was like uh, me and Chris had a bunch of room. Well, I like getting the the chaplain's uh, take on it because, you know, we know that they they were happy. They probably had a great night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, like but I didn't. You, have, you must have felt a, a huge weight off your shoulders. It was a yeah. When what did you drink we, once it was over? Like what what was like what was the drink in your hand? It must have must have been delicious, no matter what it was. Like a it tasted like sweet. a sparkling <laughs> rosé. There you go. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that That's was the way really to go. good. That's the way to go. Yeah, it was like a, uh, it was kind of like uh, count, counting down to the end of like torture, <laughs> like um, like you uh, you knew that this one day it would go either way. I guess like when the restructure thing hit me, it was when um, one of the ants, like Jessica, has like five ants, 
and I, I met them all at once. And one of them was like, you know, like, uh, are you uh, are you staying in town for a few days? And and I started to think about it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it depends on how it goes tomorrow, because I might have to leave really quick. <laughs> and, <laughs> I might just uh, get out of here. <laughs> but no, everything went well. Um, I trusted in this whole like mental focus that it was all about them and it wasn't really about me and when when i could like fix my mind upon that then i was just a I was just a utility you know like i was just a a vessel um if they could legally use a robot i would say go for that instead but uh <laughs> that's probably not too far away i'm sure someone's done an it enhancer enhancer of vibes yeah yeah, yeah, you're good at yeah. that. I mean, uh, everything that I said was basically a rendition. Like, you know, like you had to say, like a wedding goes a certain way, no matter what. If everyone wants their unique wedding and all that, like it's still the same thing as like a traditional wedding. It's like, mm-hmm. I do. Do you? Do, do you? Do you? Do you too? I do. Wow, like, is that how it was? <laughs> I hope it wasn't like almost. <laughs> almost. I had it all written down. So like, They're like wait, I, I think I'm stuck. supposed to say I do. Do I say I do or do you? No, you do. Oh, Let's man. speak for the both of you. Oh man, that's great. All right, well we're getting into the uh, the the titans of the cocktail today, the old fashioned in the Manhattan. Mm. I want to mention uh, there is a great book. This book is ten years old, and also uh, before we get into. Is the old fashioned still cool? Is it not cool? I know you have a take on that. No. But uh, this was back when the the revival of the old fashioned was in full swing 10 years ago, essentially. Nine, 10 years ago. Got our nice uh, old fashioned train out the window. So we love that here high atop the towers here at Wedgwood, Houston, here in Nashville, Tennessee. This book from uh, Robert Simonson called The Old Fashioned. Put out by 10 Speed Press, I think 2013. If you're interested in it and you want to know more about the history and the Wisconsin varieties and, and all that, it's a great book. But I think one of the things that's so interesting about the Old Fashioned is it is the original cocktail. It was called the Whiskey Cocktail. And it's the, the earliest the earliest really uh, drink that you see in cocktail history and kind of the definition of what a cocktail was and was supposed to be. Spirit, sugar, water and bitters and that's sort of how the cocktail came to be and this whiskey cocktail made of just whiskey a little bit of a lump of sugar maybe a touch of water and bitters was kind of the first example of putting together you know a few different ingredients to make something that might be better more palatable than just the whiskey itself so it was kind of the only cocktail that hung around the only documented cocktail in that early part of the 19th century until people started to drink juleps there in the middle part of the uh, 19th century but yeah let's just let's just get into it a little bit here being that we all worked at husk together for for a long time we made a ton of old fashions i know you you guys have all made a bunch of these over the years um before we get into like you know some of our favorite variations or are people still ordering them like crazy? And is it is it still cool? Like, it's kind of like, I feel like it's falling out of fashion, which is funny for a drink that's like 300 years old. But uh, it, I don't know. I feel like in a few hours, I'm going to be making like 10 at a time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. We probably, so make, still a thing. probably make more. Yeah. I probably make, make more, more than ever. ever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've, it's kind of like the, the go-to order for people who I think are just... 
they're not necessarily not that they're not adventurous, but they're just like I don't want to like get into a whole menu. I don't want to read. Yeah, I don't want to like, read it. I don't, you know, I just just give me an old fashioned. That's what you hear a lot. Is yeah, it's like just give me an old fashioned beer, vodka soda, old fashioned. It's like it's this like kind of like the same thing across the board. It's such like a, a commonplace now. Yeah, yeah. Now, are people when that happens? Are people like steering them to? Do you have like a spot on your menu where it's always like a old fashioned variation, like we had for years? Do you still have that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you have a little old. So are you? Do you feel like you're making that, or are people calling specific bourbons? Um, or rise fifty fifty. Yeah, like okay. it, it kind of just depends on the person. So, what's your current old fashioned riff that you got going on now? Sorghum, thyme. Yeah, it's, it's, sorghum and thyme. She okay? Uh, Madeira, Madeira, Madeira. Madeira. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, luscious. Yeah, delicious. Actually, I think I'm changing it today. Okay, well, well let's get into we it. Got, what are you gonna do today? I don't. We have a like a bunch of red plums in, mm. so I'm gonna mess around with those. Mm. Killer. Yeah, probably stick with the Madeira. Madeira's been working out really well. Plum what does the Madeira, Madeira give, give to you, to it? Do you do you think? Uh, texture, a little bit of dryness. You know, um, just more characteristic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little caramel, kind of yeah, caramel yeah. vibe to it. Yeah, I love that. And you're still serving them on those big big rocks. Uh, as much as we can, as you much know, as you can keep up. Those are uh, still pretty tricky for us. Yeah. So uh, in talking to Kenneth over the you know the last couple years about you know, how it's been over there since the pandemic and everything, but, and, and what people are drinking. I'm always interested to know, like, where are people steering towards? And, and Kenneth has said that, that the amount of cocktails that you're making now, is just crazy. The people are just all about the cocktails there. Yeah, the volume, the volume is way more, like, it's more exponential than it was, like, two, three, four years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, I was, I was thinking about this, when I was thinking about the old-fashioned period, it's like, uh, a lot of people, like you just touched on, a lot of people know what they want to order nowadays more than ever. And the consumer has realized that if they could get that order in, they will get their drink faster. Yeah. It's, it's that like kind of, it's kind of hit like that kind of dichotomy, I guess, in, in the bar. It's like uh, every time a server comes around to their table or, Lucky for them, if they're sitting at the bar, they just want to go ahead and get the order in as fast as they can. They'll ask questions about food, maybe, but yeah, beverage is like there's no more like people seem to know exactly what they want. Oh, absolutely. With, there's like no hesitation. There's no there's no one thousand questions. No, no. Maybe like four. Hmm. Like it's incredible. You'd get in a lot of trouble over there today if you had made if you were making old fashions like they were making them back then when they first started making them in the early part of the 19th century, they were serving them in short stemmed little wine glasses, which that wouldn't fly now. (laughs) You'd have people, uh, no, I need a, I need a real glass with this, but yeah, they, they served. And this is again from that book, uh, Simonson's book, the old fashioned, they were serving these earliest old fashioned and they were calling them the whiskey cocktail back then in these little tiny, cute little wine glasses I think when they started to to be more about like muddling the sugar cube and stuff was when they started uh, serving them in more like a sturdy glass. Um, and then another really interesting fact from that book is that uh, it was a big drink around the Civil War. Oh, nice. We got another dog in the house. Big drink around the Civil War where the, uh, both the Union and the Confederacy were drinking them. And it was also John Wilkes Booth, his favorite drink. Big old fashioned guy. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
I guess in the Civil War, if you're like looting and pillaging the countryside, the first thing you want to go for is the sugar and the alcohol. Yeah, something okay. that's going to slide down the gullet. Mm-hmm. Interesting where you guys are at up there on Rutledge Hill. There was a lot of uh, camp, you know, encampments up there. And, you know, it was a great view of the city. I know that whole area was like pretty much flattened during the Civil War. I'm sure they were drinking some some up there, up on and the hill. Catching a breeze off the river. They're yeah, like, definitely. hey, Jebediah, it sounds like a good night for an old fashioned. <laughs> we love your uh, period voices. You know, a lot of great feedback on your uh, Chicago mobster. Like, I got, I've, I've got some rye whiskey in my temp. I'm going to go fetch it. All right, so you're also known for, Adam, getting real creative with, uh, so So Tall is one of your favorite things. You brought a little So Tall for us today to sip on. Let's give, let's give you all a recipe. It's been too long of us talking and blabbing without giving you a recipe to drink with. The, the easiest and most, you know, no pun intended, old-fashioned way to make an old-fashioned would be to just take a sugar cube, put it at the bottom of a glass, dash in two to three dashes of bitters, Angostura, the classic, or any other cool bitters that you got around the house. Muddle that together. That's really the easy thing. You're just muddling a sugar cube with some bitters. And then throw in a huge block of ice or just a couple big cubes of ice, whatever you got sitting around, and then two ounces of whiskey. A lot of people love a rye, old-fashioned. I think rye's great for this time of year. You get a little bit of that spice, a little bit of that bite. Makes you feel a little warm. And then, uh, so you take two ounces of that, throw that in there, stir it around, let that sugar dissolve. One thing that's been common throughout the last, I'd say, 170 years of people making old-fashioned is throwing in a little water. People would throw in a little bit of water to get that sugar to dissolve and then garnish it with an orange peel. And that's really the easiest fail-proof old-fashioned recipe. Now, let's get into, you made some really cool So Tall Old Fashions over the years. First, what do you love about So Tall? I know we had you on the program to talk So Tall and the Wild Agaves, one of my favorite episodes, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, what do you love about So Tall and what kind of old-fashioned riffs have you made on it? Because any spirit that, that people like is suitable for an old fashioned. It's just a way to kind of taste a spirit that you like and maybe just add a little accent that's going to make it go down easier. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Sotol is pretty versatile. You can use it for stirred citrus based cocktails, whatever it may be. For Sotol, I like to lean more towards like, you know, like, you know, rich, full cocktails. Like today, I think I'm going to put on like a Manhattan style cocktail. We got mm. a bunch of persimmons that we uh, plucked off the tree before the squirrels could oh, get sweet. into them. Yeah, yeah, they do. So that. like, uh, yeah, do a Manhattan with like persimmons cooked down with a little bit of honey. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. we need to get into that later yeah. when we talk Manhattan. Yeah, it's going to be like nice and sultry. I'm going to put that on later today. I'm going to have that on Friday. Okay, sounds right. good. Yeah, but I feel like overall uh, so tall it's like bright. It's can be it can be piney. Has like a hint of earthiness, you know, smokiness. So it can go really any direction. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's like has like a little bit of trepidation about getting into like mezcal or like tequila, like this is like a good segue. Or like if you want to split base this with like gin. Whoa, it works too. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, what would a good? Do you have a recipe that you could give for like a so tall old fashioned? Yeah. Using uh, some stuff people might have around the house or. Yeah, I would say like for this, I mean, if, if you're making it at home, I would do like two and a quarter, two and a half ounces of so tall. There we go. Yeah, yeah I mean, a little couch cocktail. You're, you're at couch home. measurements. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> do like a, 
a nice like bar spoon of agave if you have it sitting around orange bitters you can do orange or lemon peel cool stir that Mm -hmm. nice and cold it's ready to go nice yeah it seems like those like the the sotol tequila mezcal old fashions are also growing in popularity absolutely i feel like the mezcal old-fashioned was the first riff on an old-fashioned that became big became popular because i remember going back uh even before i was at husk say 12 years ago i feel like people were calling for mezcal old-fashions it's it's just a fun thing thing to say like a walk in old-fashioned yeah i just love to say that (laughs) are you making you're still you're still making those yeah definitely definitely Oh, amazing. Lots. Lots. Wow. Kenneth, how would you make a Oaxacan old fashioned? Spoon. Spoon of um of Angostura bitters to start. Spoon okay. of sugar. Simple syrup. Make sure that you you're making simple syrup like fifty percent, fifty percent. Nice. Like uh the fundamentals. But yeah, sp- uh. just a spoon. Like I, I never even even like a, a light spoon. Like uh, it's fine it's fine with me. Which would be less than a eighth, more like closer to like a six sixteenth of an ounce, I suppose. Yeah, mm. how big are those itty bitty spoons? I think it's an eighth. Like you could put eighth like of an ounce, two yeah. Oreos on those. Two Oreos. Look at what size. Or <laughs> not Oreos, uh, Cheerios. Oh, okay. Two Cheerios. You put <laughs> right. like two or three Cheerios <laughs> on there. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Put two Oreos on a fucking heroin spoon, probably. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Oh yeah, go on with your recipe. Yeah. Um, pound pound a uh, a light orange peel, and by light I mean like skimming, skimming the orange and not like getting deep into the pith. Pound that out. Stir the stir the um, sugar and the ango into the into the peel. Add alcohol. Add ice. Stir. Excellent. How much alcohol? Two two ounces. Two ounces of mezcal. And um, any garnish after that? Well, another no, orange peel. No, leave peel, the lime peel. leave the orange peel in. There you go. That's great. Yeah, Oaxacan old fashioned has gotten huge. I think it's a great way to drink mezcal. Is it's really the only other way to drink it, rather than neat. I think. And we've got uh, we do have a token mezcal cocktail in the new book. The mezcal hot toddy, mm. which is a nice way to drink one. I think quite possibly a lot of mezcals are trying to beat out well whiskeys for old fashions. Wow. It's like uh, price point wise, like a fine mezcal is going to compete with a um, like a finer bourbon. But then depending on like what's more available, some like well mezcals are providing like uh, a lower price point than a lot of like. 100 proof well bourbons almost impossible to find a well bourbon these days anyway yeah it's um, it's terrible just you have because con- of allocation because it's there's just not enough out there because it's like, like not enough like the boom is still going probably yeah, in yeah. the nashville market everything on broadway is getting all of the like just just uh Jack crap that we probably don't want anyway but then eating up the higher price point which like is which is Brothers like entering around? the middle I haven't seen it, no. Yeah, that was a great well. It's been like in and out of the market, yeah. Yeah, so the the first kind of old-fashioned riff that I came up with when we were opening Husk, and one of my favorite uh, ways to use sorghum is just in a simple old-fashioned. This is uh, from the book, Cheer. We've got the recipe and kind of the story behind it as well. And this touches on, Kenneth, what you were talking about, 
about the orange or lemon peel. And one thing we learned the second night we were open from uh, Julian Van Winkle about how he likes to drink his whiskey on the rocks with a lemon twist. You know, real, real dignified way to to drink whiskey. And I was really, it was really interesting that he uh, preferred the lemon with the weeded bourbon. He just thought it like would brighten up that that light spice a little bit. Um, so kind of took that idea and turned it into this sorghum old fashioned. So basically, you take one thin lemon peel, as little pith as possible. So you'll get this is one of those little tricks to making drinks where you will get familiar with that Y peeler where you can just pull off as thin a strip as possible where you're getting the the oils will be concentrated but you won't get the bitter part of the pith the white part um, so one thin lemon peel as little pith as possible a scant quarter ounce of sorghum syrup just one part sorghum to one part water if you can find the uh, muddy pond sorghum here in here in Tennessee and then there's great sorghum from Kentucky as well as what I've found. There's just amazing sorghum up there. You can also find some good ones in Georgia um, and all over. But uh, so scant quarter ounce of the sorghum syrup, two dashes of an aromatic bitters, and two ounces of bourbon, a weeded bourbon preferably, uh, which I feel like a, a, a readily available weeded bourbon that I enjoy is the Maker's 100, the 100 proof. I think it's 100 or 101 proof. Uh, makers is a good one and you can usually find that um, so at the bottom of the mixing glass lightly muddle as in cajole persuade caress the citrus peel <laughs> along with the bitters and the sorghum syrup before adding the ice then add the bourbon and the ice and stir until well chilled pour over a big ice cube or two in an old-fashioned glass and garnish with an orange or lemon peel expressed over the top of the glass um, a little note about the sorghum syrup, you can add a jar of sorghum to a saucepan and use a spatula to dislodge as much of the sorghum from the jar as possible, then fill the jar up with warm water and again using the spatula, stir the water and dislodge all the sorghum from the jar before pouring the water into the saucepan. Simmer over medium low heat for 20 minutes, bottle and keep in the refrigerator. The syrup will keep for a few months, much longer if you add an ounce of vodka or whiskey. And then we've also got a batched old sorghum in here that you can use for a party. And we're going to get into uh, the Van Hatton in just a little bit here as we get into Manhattan. I will say, though, um, for the uh, old sorghum, I think we still honor like that that recipe pretty closely every yeah, year. We, yeah, there's we always like sorghum strikes back, sorghum, like every year there's like a new version. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Lemon peel and everything. That's great. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. We should... Um, we should get one one going here after the book comes out, and we can uh, we can tout it. We can further tout it. Yeah, it's usually around like every September it comes about. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's lovely. And I'm sure you're getting some decent weeded bourbons over there still. <laughs> you know, not really. No, really, it's, it's no. man, it's hard. The bourbon boom. It's yeah. just it's dried up. It's drying up, huh? Yeah, like I've had the hardest time getting like stuff like Larceny. I can't ever get you know green label weller it's mm. just it's rough how about elijah craig uh yeah yeah definitely any of the barrel proof yeah that, that's cool that, yeah man those are good those are good ones okay before we jump into manhattan the other titan of the cocktail world along with the martini probably which we're going to get into eventually on this show we've talked about measurements a little bit and a lot of the old measurements of a manhattan 
would list uh, a pony of this, a wine glass of that, a gill of this, a jigger of that. Um, so I did find this helpful little chart for y'all to bookmark here of what those measurements are. So a wine glass, which was really popular unit of measurement back in those days where the Manhattan started to be king right around the 1880s, a wine glass is two ounces. So if you ever see that in any of the old recipes, wine glass equals two ounces. And it was just a little measurement that they would use, these little tiny wine glasses that they served uh, some of the first old fashions in. Then a jigger was typically an ounce and a half or an ounce and a quarter. There's a little bit of dispute on that one. And then uh, a pony, which you'll see a lot and plays into the Manhattan recipe, is one ounce. So two tablespoons roughly. So a pony equals one ounce. A tablespoon is typically half half an ounce, and then a teaspoon is one sixteenth of an ounce. Bitters and dashes is, you know, that's a little bit subjective, but most people like to think of a dash as like a half teaspoon or so. What do you think? Does that sound about right? Yeah. Mm, I would yeah. say it's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, a yeah. dash or two is probably about a half teaspoon. But just the the thing about like dashing in things, every uh, little bottle of bitters is gonna have a little bit of a different top. Yeah, the governor and, is just always just like different. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta experiment with what you're doing. But yeah, that's a good helpful uh, chart that I found from an old article from the LA Weekly. That was uh, they were like, yeah, do you ever look at these old cocktail books and scratch your head about what the hell a pony is? Well, there it is. It's an ounce, and this plays into some of the first mentions of the Manhattan cocktail which has a lot of uh, the Manhattan is fascinating because there's not really a set agreed upon history of it, that it came from a certain place or it came from a certain thing. The only thing that is tentatively agreed on or talked about as like the first mention of it was a party that was thrown at the Manhattan club in New York. The recipe was concocted by a doctor, Dr. Ian Marshall uh, in the early 1880s for a party by lady Lady Randolph Churchill, the mother of Winston Churchill. They named it after the Manhattan Club where they had the party. Later on, the the theory of that was, was thrown into question because uh, Lady Randolph Churchill was pregnant and potentially in England and not partying in New York. So another Say story. Say that again. It was, uh, so later on, people people realized that uh, Lady Randolph Churchill was was pregnant right around that when that party was supposed to happen and she and was she, drinking she was most likely in england and not partying in new york mm. but maybe she was maybe she was pregnant and she was like yeah let's do it up come up with a cocktail <laughs> it was the 1880s i don't know and then uh another one there was a 1923 book entitled uh, valentine's manual of new york where it stated at a bartender at uh, the hoffman house in uh, the 1880s was invented there by a man named black who uh, he, he lived ten doors below Houston Street on Broadway. Um, the first ever written mention of the Manhattan cocktail was an article published in September of 1882 by the Sunday Morning Herald in Olean, New York. And this article, both the ingredients, whiskey, vermouth, and bitters, as well as the name of the drink, were both mentioned. Um, but there were other names at the time, the Jockey Club Cocktail, the Turf Club Cocktail, which uh, both kind of had a roughly similar recipe. The variants on the early Manhattans, so one recipe was one pony of French vermouth, one pony of whiskey, 
three to four dashes of Angostura bitters, three dashes of gum syrup, which they would use at the time to, to make cocktails a little bit more silky, to make uh, the potentially rough spirits glide down the gullet a little bit easier. And then a, and a uh, pony was one ounce, yeah, right? One ounce, one yep. Ounce. So it was kind of an equal, equal parts. parts. Yeah. Um, and then the second variant was uh, one wine glass of whiskey, one wine glass of Italian vermouth. So that's a two and two. Two dashes of Angostura bitters and two dashes of Curacao, which was really common Ooh, back I like then this one. to have like a, a dasher bottle of Curacao and a dasher bottle of absinthe. And then in uh, Harry Johnson's famous 1900 Bartender's Manual, the Manhattan cocktail sounds really like complex and interesting. Half a wine glass of whiskey, so that's an ounce. Half a glass of vermouth. Un, uh, undetermined what exactly the glass was. <laughs> One dash of curacao or absinthe. Hey, choose your own adventure. One to two dashes of orange bitters. One to two dashes of gum syrup. So they were using this gum syrup to sort of like make these cocktails, you know, just a little sweeter. But maybe the, you know, maybe the vermouth wasn't quite as sweet. And the whiskeys were probably like a lot younger at the time. Like, and and most likely rye, in in almost uh, all cases. Even though I would say they're probably just across the board more likely to be made with bourbon now, but uh, rye is generally considered the classic way to do it. So uh, we can give you a really simple recipe if you want to make a Manhattan at home, and these ratios can change according to the proof of the whiskey, how strong it is, how much you like it. Do you love this whiskey and you just want to taste more of it? Do you love the vermouth you have and you want to taste more of that? But generally, say two to three ounces of whiskey. You could go any any anywhere you want to go. Strong? How strong do you want it? So two to three ounces of whiskey, and then I would say a half ounce to an ounce of sweet vermouth, and I'd go Italian for the sweet vermouth. Carpano's a big one. You might want to not use a full ounce of that. Punta Mess is huge flavor, a little bit of bitterness. So if you like a bitter cocktail or bitter spirits, Punta Mess would be great. Koki Torino we love with bourbon and rice because it's got that chocolate note. And uh, Dolan Rouge. Dolan Rouge would be great too, actually, with a rye. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be that would be nice. Uh, Dolan Rouge has a little bit more like cooking, aromatic kind of cooking herbs like thyme and tarragon and uh, stuff like that. And then two dashes of bitters and similar to a martini, you're gonna build this drink in a mixing glass full of ice. And stir it up and just stir it up for a good while so it's nice and chilled, maybe 20 seconds. And then let it sit and let it just get nice and cold. Maybe that's when you want to take your cocktail glass and chill it. Or maybe you want to stick it in the freezer. And then after, say, three, four, five minutes, pour it into your glass. Garnish it with a cherry. Nice little maybe a Luxardo Maraschino cherry. I don't know. Is that lame now? No. 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 Delicious. Soak it in whiskey. No, you, you, don't, you don't put a cherry in there. They remind you. They'll let oh, you yeah. Know. yeah. They'll, they'll, yeah. It'll yeah. come back to you. <laughs> yeah. So that's a simple Manhattan. And then uh, maybe a little orange peel express over the top to kind of brighten Always. it Always. Yes. Oh, Every single time. Always. You want to have Every like uh, little oil bubbles on top uh-huh. mm. of this cold drink. But like that's the last thing. It's like that oil like beating up on yes. top of the cocktail. Oh, God, I can picture it. Yeah. I'm going to need one of these. So for me, the Manhattan was my entry into like cocktail culture and the first cocktail i really loved um place i was working at in denver made it made a great one the recipe there was three ounces of bullet rye three quarter ounce of carpano antica 
two dashes of Angostura served with a cherry up with an orange twist. That's about right. And it was, it was delicious. And it was, it was just striking to me that, you know, I, I would taste Carpano on its own and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's what good vermouth tastes like. And I liked whiskey, but throwing the two things together with a little bit of spice from the bitters, I was kind of hooked at that point. So are you guys still making a lot of Manhattans and stuff? More than ever. We're pushing more of those. Like as it gets colder outside, people are requesting Manhattans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. it's really a this time of year drink. Definitely. I feel like once it starts getting cold out, it's a great drink to batch. We've got some batch recipes in the book. Um, do you guys batch it out occasionally at Husk and so, serve yeah, it that way? Sometimes we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make Kenneth happy. Because you're going to do 250 of them. It's <laughs> a lot. And it's also a great one to kind of riff on. So what are some favorite like Manhattan riffs that you've, uh, that you've come up with over the years? Hmm. I do like to keep it simple with the Manhattan. So like, I always like to use like Boker bitters in there, you oh, know, nice. kind of brighten it up dash of absinthe in there too. Oh yeah. Sweet. Like things like that. Just like you don't want to do too much to it just to kind of like bring all the flavors together. So those are like my two favorite things to do with Manhattans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once you've decided on a vermouth to throw into a Manhattan, you've got you gotten your whiskey picked out, and if you even are choosing your vermouth, like uh, that's a lot of flavor already, yeah. especially since, you know, like uh, the vermouth has already got like a very careful balance of, uh, of sugar and herbs and spices. So just like little subtle differences go a long way especially if we're doing like will it for your rye manhattans all day long it's like you don't want to do too much to that oh yeah if you're drinking them that's that's right yeah <laughs> yeah you got to be careful with proof sometimes yeah. with manhattans because yeah. if you're like god this 120 proof whiskey is just so delicious in a manhattan it's like well yeah be careful because a couple of them you're gonna it's gonna put you on your ass yeah last night i had a couple they're like we've never had a manhattan before can you make us one? I was like, wow. yeah, well, what kind of whiskey do you want? They're like, whatever. What a place to do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we're going to do a wild turkey rare breed rye. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Perfect. Start them off strong. Are we going to share it? Share it? They share yeah, it? They got each Two got their own. And which vermouth did you pair that with? Oh, Carpano. Carpano like you need something yeah. like big and aggressive to go with a whiskey that's big and aggressive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the higher proof is like, like uh, where you bring in those uh, big guns, like a, like a, Barrel proof whiskey, probably you want Punta Mez and mm. a lot and a lot more time on the ice. Yeah. Uh -huh. I definitely like we'll, we'll split base the vermouth. Okay, cool. So if you're making one you're making like a bourbon one and say it's like ninety proof. Yeah. What vermouth are you gonna use? I'd go like Coke Torino. Coke Torino? Yeah. Perfect. It's totally, yeah. chocolate notes. Yeah. All right. When you're split basing them, what uh how are you how are you kind of doing that? So for me, you know, for vermouth I do like three quarter mm -hmm. and I'll I'll split it down the middle. So are you a two to three quarter guy? I'm a two and a quarter to three quarter. All right. Yeah. yeah. Specific. I like that. Yes. Yes. It's a nice ratio. It is. You, you yeah. got it's there. boozy. <laughs> you, get, you get everything you want. Yeah. Perfect. I made a I made a Manhattan for a lady uh, one time. She said it was too sweet, and I was doing a full ounce. I think it was a Carpano at the time, and I got all butt hurt about it. But like, I've never made a Manhattan really with more than three quarter of an ounce mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. day yeah. since then. Yeah. What's your favorite whiskey to make a Manhattan with? Uh, definitely, definitely a rye. So whatever rye is available, high Adam, proof, high yeah, proof rye. Adam mentioned probably one of the best cocktail ryes that you could 
maybe be lucky to find and that's the the will it for your eye right now other than that uh yeah like uh wild turkey is always available even that 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 one the 101 rye never see it the six-year rye mm-hmm. but that would that would be a an ultimate go-to or uh anything but like the sazerac rye like the reggae if you even find that anywhere anything but like say like a um a buffalo trace rye i would the old overholt the 114 proof one that oh yeah solid. that's great yeah. that's great oh, readily nice. available you can find that one around yeah that'd be a good one to pick up for the holidays make old fashions make some manhattans yeah high proof enough to stand up to whatever you're gonna throw yeah. at it <laughs> have you made any van hattens you ever make that one anymore uh, i can't remember the last every time once one in a while maybe like no once a year once in a while we'll if have you get the pappy uh, around we'll yeah. have a guest that comes in and you know they're old school because they'll call it at like a table or something like that yeah. so then a server <laughs> a new server there will like come walking up to us all like sheepish and like uh embarrassed they're like hey, have you ever heard of a a, Man- a van hatton we're like uh, oh wow that person's been here before yeah a long time that's pretty cool the story of the Van Hatton, how we learned about it at Husk, was on that that fateful second night we were open. Uh, Julian Van Julian Van Winkle of Van Winkle Whiskey fame, the steward himself, was there sitting at the bar, and uh, he says to me, "Has Sean Brock ever told you about the Van Hatton?" And I said, "I don't believe so." He went on to tell me a little bit about it. He said, "Well, what I like about the Van Hatton, and this is from the book, cheer, it's in there. Well, what I like about the Van Hatton." is that it has both bourbon and rye. And it's so strong you don't need to get your ass off the couch to make another one for a while. I was sold. So what he means by it being like pretty strong and full of whiskey, as you would want it to be if you're using really nice whiskey that he probably has around the house, but it did have a curious ingredient when he uh, when he wrote the recipe down for us and we tucked it under the register and left it there for years. Uh, but basically you would do, so this is the Van Hatton, one and a half ounce of rye whiskey, one and a half ounce of bourbon. So that's three ounces of whiskey, half ounce of Carpano Antica sweet vermouth. So this is similar to that first Manhattan that kissed my lips and had me entranced. Uh, but other than that, you got the two dashes of Stirring's Blood Orange Bitters, which is a non-alcoholic uh, blood orange bitter that you can find around. So look around for that. You could probably find it on Amazon. He was specific that uh, he really liked those in this Manhattan. And then one dash of Angostura bitters. And then a, and this is the the grandma, grandpa, sort of, uh, sorry, Julian, method where you take a teaspoon of the Luxardo Maraschino cherry syrup, the syrup that's like preserving the cherries in the jar. You take a little teaspoon of that. And he, he just loved that. So you combine the whiskey, bourbon, vermouth, bitters, and cherry syrup in a mixing glass full of ice. Stir for a good 20 seconds. Let the drink sit in the mixing glass undisturbed for five minutes. And then serve it over a big ice cube and garnish with lemon or orange peel expressed and twisted into the glass. Also garnish with cherries if desire and find a couch to sit on. So that was the Van Hatton. If you, you want to make a, a, a really fancy cocktail with really good whiskey... That's a great one because you're still going to taste plenty of whiskey. I don't think Julian Van Winkle ever worked in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I, think so? No, not at all. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, because there's this YouTube, there is a YouTube video of him making the, that drink. And I swear, it's like 
eight minutes. I'm like, dang. And then he's making it for himself. <laughs> I was like, uh, but it was at uh, one of those places in Charleston. Like, the first cocktail those, always takes the longest. <laughs> it was so fascinating to watch him make a drink. Oh, cool. Well, uh, maybe we'll post the, a link for the YouTube link for that. Um, some variations on the Manhattan. You've got the Rob Roy, which is a Scotch Manhattan. So you would just sub in the two to three ounces of Scotch. That's a great one. Then you got the Perfect Manhattan, which is a 50-50 blend. So you would do a 50-50 blend of sweet vermouth and dry vermouth as like your um, kind of you're your splitting the vermouth like Adam talked about a little bit. And then uh, the Dry Manhattan, which you would use uh, dry vermouth. And that is going to be a much different cocktail. It's going to bring out more notes of the rye, probably a little more herbs. I'd like to but see a lot more of those, the dry Manhattans. Yeah. Like, uh, I've been making quite a bit of those lately. Yeah? Really? Yeah. yeah. People call for them. I, I'm not, I haven't. I, I, wow. That's great. Well, do you think that they're just they're just wanting more whiskey? Like, they're just like, I want it dry, so less vermouth? Or do you think that they're wanting the dry vermouth? I think it's really just based on uh, whatever uh, internet article comes out that oh, week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So, like... We'll get like a wave of things like, oh, I need to see what was posted on the internet. Was it like punch or imbibe yes, or something like that? Yeah. And yeah. you'll just start seeing those. Yeah, definitely. It could be that That's or pretty a, cool. yeah, like the morning show sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There was something, uh, oh, damn it. Oh, what's the, uh, the Negroni without gin with just like, uh, Prosecco? Spagliato. Spagliato. Yeah. Those have been popping up. I had to, I had to reverse research those. Yeah. But that's coming up for brunch lately. I haven't made a single one. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was on some you work brunches? episode. Of- uh, yeah, I, was, I work brunches. Oh, yeah. He likes brunch. Yeah. You're a brunch man. You know, like... Get home uh, with the kids. I get it. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Go to the park. Perfect. As far as the dry Manhattan's concerned, though, like, uh, if you look at, like, black holes, like, black hole science, like, for every black hole... Okay. There's supposed to be somewhere on the edge of time and space a white hole that is expelling it's expelling uh matter as opposed to absorbing matter would that be it like the end of um, it or is it just like there's another end at the end of it and that's part of the theory that that the universe is like a big mirror and there's another earth somewhere right something like that Mm. well yeah what does it have to do with the drive in (laughs) yeah it's just like just like uh uh like a manhattan there can be a dry manhattan yeah okay Okay, and, and there should probably somehow, some way, there's like an equal amount of dry Manhattans, like like the upside down or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, love that. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> Anything else about the Manhattan right now? The Waldorf is a is a cool little riff, and that's just like add an absinthe to like your standard build. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah. yeah. That's what I was getting at. Thanks, dude. Um, With what? I'll throw all kinds of shit in there. Like, uh, if you could just think in the world of like what you might have, either behind the bar or in your home 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 bar, like a spoon of something is like perfect, like uh, to add to a Manhattan, or a dash, a, somewhere between a dash and a spoon. And that speaks of, to a lot of the original ones. Say, like uh, green chartreuse is a oh, great oh, any definitely. any chartreuse or genepi. Genepi, yeah. yeah, definitely. Genepi. Genepi would be perfect because yeah. it's like already light enough to just like emulsify into into the cocktail, almost like you know, like a like a spy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It sounds like you just came up with a drink, the spy, a little Genepi. Uh, yeah. What else? Like uh, yellow or like, I imagine like uh, if you just think of like my 
my stable stuff like uh, Benedictine. You're a big Benedictine, Benedictine. yellow chartreuse, Scotch, right? Saint Germain. Just do a spoon, not of all of those, but choose one yeah. and add it to your Manhattan. And Fernet, got, whatever. Yeah, yep. Add Fernet. Add do do a little Campari. I don't care. I'm not going to tell anyone. Getting to <laughs> Boulevardier territory there. Sure. This kind of riff on the Manhattan, which most people agree is like its own drink. You know, it's it's called by by its name. Remember the main two ounces rye whiskey, half teaspoon of absinthe, like Kenneth is talking about over here, and then three quarter ounce sweet vermouth, two teaspoons of herring cherry liqueur, garnished with a branded cherry, brandy cherry. So that's a great uh, Manhattan riff, but that shows you that you could say sub really anything. You could add Benedictine instead of absinthe. You could do dry vermouth instead of the sweet. Instead of the two teaspoons of hearing cherry liqueur, you could do curacao. So there's, I oh guess man, there's so much. For you the could sake do. of not forgetting, like the Black Manhattan is a whole other oh, yeah, world, yeah. and uh, that just depends on like available amaros. Yeah, which amaro do you want to throw in there? What, do you want to blend it with the vermouth? Lots to lots to do with the Manhattan. So a great one for this uh, this holiday season, and then. We have some batch Manhattan recipes and cheer, so check those out. And uh, remember that if you are batching Manhattans, try to add, say, a three-quarter ounces to an ounce of water per drink that you're making. So you don't want to just load it up with just those boozy elements and not think about the water opening things up, making things palatable, not getting people too fucked up. I'm going to be careful of that. Especially <laughs> yeah, at the holidays. You're yeah. batching Especially it. at the yeah. holidays. Yeah, you're batching. Yeah, I'm ready, dude. Come on, come on. All right. Fucking A. And the time has come. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Yeah. <laughs> Booze News with Kenneth Deadman. It's the holidays. Who's dazed now, Bert? Well, you're going to have to leave. Now, I know like you have to leave like everything that I said about the black holes in. When you add it, because I'm starting with space. Um, starting with space. Out there. Within the Milky Way galaxy. There's a there's a cloud called uh there's a cloud called Sagittarius A. Ooh. And scientists have found that it is made up of uh, alcohol. Whoa. Is it all like the alcohol farts? From our atmosphere that go up there? No, nah, it's uh, it's space made alcohol. This would be Whoa. about four hundred four hundred light years from the center of um of the Milky Way galaxy, which is where Sagittarius they got Sag- a distillery up Sagittarius there. Sagittarius <laughs> B is it's like uh this super massive black hole in the middle of the Milky Way. It's like uh four million times the size of our sun in density but between us and that black hole is a cloud of alcohol it's a isopropyl alcohol so it's the same stuff that's in our hand sanitizer wow but it's one of like 260 compounds that we used to think were only only um only um earthbound mm. pretty cool very cool Okay. The science hour with Kenneth moving on, <laughs> moving on. Congratulations to Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. It's forty years old. Wow. Um, as of uh, 
yesterday. The Silver Lady. My dad likes it. That's what it's called. Yeah. The Silver Lady. <laughs> never, heard, <laughs> never heard that one. Me either. You know, like uh, Diet Coke. Diet Coke drinkers are interesting. So I've dabbled in, I've been dabbling in Diet Coke lately. And You've uh, been drinking it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've had a few. Uh-huh. It's got to be, I think like uh, Diet Coke drinkers are very specific about their Diet Coke. Like um, perhaps the receptacle, definitely the temperature. So I've been drinking like room temperature Diet Coke and cold Diet Coke. There's a noticeable difference in pleasure, even though it's the exact same thing on the inside, you know? Mm. What's more pleasurable? Uh, the cold Diet Coke. I would think so. And Diet Coke drinkers will also take it a step further and tell you that the best Diet Coke apparatus is a McDonald's. I thought you were going to say that. That's what I've heard. McDonald's has a whole system for their Diet Coke. It's like the the cup, what it's made out of, the straw, the ice ratio, the carbonation, all of those things. It's not a box, you know, like plastic oh. bladder. They uh-huh. get the metal like kegs of Diet Coke and they keep them in the cooler and they keep like Why don't the they water do that with line. The regular? I don't know. I don't know. Huh. They don't give a fuck about your regular. Probably yeah. because they know that they're getting a Diet Coke sale almost every time that there's an adult there. Yeah. You got to balance out. So you got a room full of fries. you got a car full of kids. They're all getting like Coca-Cola, but then the you know the adult. That's the one sale. The one who's that paying. You're always going to mm. have is is Diet Coke. This is sociology. Yeah. Good. Now we don't have to do a Diet Coke shots episode. No, we Diet Coke. We got all kinds of Diet Coke cocktail variations. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, have you talked to Matt in Poland? War correspondent. Um, he has been MIA, but he's living close to the water now. But no, we've in, we've uh, we've texted a few times. He's living out by the beach now. Oh, sweet! He had to get out of so, Warsaw. Yeah, he must have moved a ways away. Yep. Now uh, there's a documentary about Warsaw. That's the reason I brought it up about the uh, the Stola River that runs through the middle of Warsaw. And that's where they pulled their water, their water source for an ever-growing like population there right now. But there's this documentary that is just about to come out. It's called um, it's called Fat Kathy, and it centers around the water pump that dis- distributes water from the river amongst the population of Warsaw, mm-hmm. and it's monitored by eight clams. So within this this hundreds of year old water system that they use. They apparently have always used uh, clams to monitor the toxin levels of the river. Ah, so like they have like eight clams that they are that are like considered like city employees, and they're hooked up to these nodes that literally detect the movement of of the clam shell. So when the clam closes, it's essentially shutting itself off from the water supply, and that's when. Like, like it's all automated. Like, there's not like a person on the switch. It shuts off the water to the city. Mm. When the uh, when the water is is at its cleanest, the clams have are are open, wide open, as if they're like bathing in the water. Super cool stuff. Like, wow. uh, I haven't watched the documentary. Uh, it's enough to fa- fascinate me. Their their water source is called F- Fat Kathy, and that is that is. Uh, what the clams monitor they're all hooked up to the computers and shit it's wow. so fucking cool that's super cool clams oh, and oysters can better, do a lot to kind of filter good. things out and tell never, us what's up i don't ever fucking really plug a movie on this shit if i would it would be a documentary though. a realist yeah in nashville music kid rock 
says he'd like to have a beer with Obama, saying there's not a cooler president. Wow. This is the truth. This is the truth. Uh, Kid Rock, one of uh, former President Trump. You remember that guy? Mm-hmm. A little bit. He's one of his most vocal supporters said, I want to hang out with Obama and drink beer. He's one of the only presidents who would drink beer, too. Trump wouldn't. Biden won't. Biden's an N.A. guy, I think. All right. That's all right. Back to my impression. I mean, there's not a cooler. All the presidents, you know, I've met uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> he can, he, I mean, he can lock it down. Uh, I just want to drink a beer with him. I didn't like a lot of his policies. I didn't vote for him. And that's about it. Fascinating. I'm sure Obama will be on the next plane. Apparently, Kid Rock met Obama one time alongside uh, Kanye West. Ooh. And that's the only time that they've, that they've been um, in the same place at the same time. Amazing. we got to make this happen. <laughs> okay. We've got whiskey here. Congratulations to Wilderness Trail Distillery in Danville, Kentucky. Wow. Got bought out. Who have just mm. been bought out by Campari Group. Also just opened their brand new distillery. It was like, there had to have been some like dope insider shit there. It's like, I don't think that distillery's been more, it's not even like four or five years no, old, right? it's pretty right? young. Um, you tasted some of their stuff? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, their stuff is legit. I guess it's about to get a lot, hell of a lot more expensive. They're about to make a whole lot more of it. Ooh. So uh, Campari is buying uh, 70%, uh, 70% stake right now with the intention of paying off the other 30% by uh, 2031, which is soon, sooner yeah. than later. Wowzas. It's I want to buy something and be like, I'll pay the rest off by uh, 2031. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Well, they have the capital to throw around. Uh, For sure. Distilleries valued at uh, $600 million now. Probably be... That's where it gets tricky is like it'll probably jump in price. It'll be worth a billion by the time they're they're paying it off. That's insane. Yeah. But congrats to the Danville community. I wonder if, wonder if they're unionized because down there at Brown Foreman... And specifically at Woodford Reserve, they're about to be facing picket signs because local Teamsters have announced their intention to represent a new labor deal at the Wood for the employees of Woodford Reserve. A lot of those guys, uh, I think, like I think it's been a good five years since Brown Foreman had had to deal with uh, with labor, but um, but they pull no punches. Woodford Reserve. They're claiming Woodford Reserve employees are the least paid in the industry. And they're looking to restructure the entire deal, likely to to have a strike. And uh, I wonder if they did what Heaven Hill did, was just like increase production before the strike. So they made everyone work overtime and then stocked up on booze only to sell it during the strike. I have a, I have Why a, are we making so much booze? I have a feeling they'll uh, they'll settle a lot faster. It'll be a lot less contentious than Heaven Hill. They had like the, the driver that like was flipping off at Heaven Hill. Did you ever hear about that? I like the driver. I don't know. I don't think All right, so. they lost a truck uh, that was pulling out pulling out of the facility because he was busy. The driver was flipping off everyone that was picketing. And he lost control of the truck and tipped it over, and, <laughs> and like right then, right in front, right on the property, they they lost like whatever. They lost like a 
I don't know, probably like uh, $200,000 worth of product. Holy shit. But that was nothing compared to the embarrassment of... Was he like double burden? I guess so. Like, uh, yeah, don't I double don't bird yeah. while you're driving. I think, <laughs> Only I think the he light. was busy aiming. Aiming his burden, not the truck, you know. Mm. But anyway, the Heaven Hill, that strike lasted forever. Both sides kind of like showed the rough patches. It got nasty for them for a while. Dang. And I don't see like Brown Foreman. I don't, I don't see them fighting, fighting against that. They've got like a... We gotta like a higher profile. They're a little bit larger of a company than Heaven Hill, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else? No. Go see these guys for amazing old fashions and Manhattans and all the riffs they're in at the Bar at Husk over here at Rutledge Hill. So y'all do a happy hour over there. Tell me about what's going on with the happy hour there. Yeah, we do happy hour every Monday through Thursday, five to six. So it's it's, it's a literal a, happy hour. It's abbreviated for sure, but. That's when I'm making, you know, dozens of old fashions at once because we got the, uh, got the old fashioned, we got the burger. Like, yeah, it's what the else only time during the week get the, that burger? the burger is available is wow. uh, Monday through Thursday from five to six p.m. Wow. Or at brunch. Do you get busy? Do you or get brunch, slammed yeah. for oh, happy yeah, hour? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely busy for happy hour. There it is. Because it's available so for get the whole early. restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of old fashions. We do a rotating punch. Who knows? Who's, who knows what it'll be today? Kevin. It's always changing. Yeah. It's ever-changing. It's a different cocktail every day. Amazing. All right, guys. Well, you're the best. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Adam. You do amazing work. I'm coming to see you Friday, I think, for a drink um, and Kenneth. So I look forward to nice. that. As always, find us on the web, liquidgold.show. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Give us a rating. Email us, liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. Check out the new book, Cheer, Liquid Gold Holiday Drinking Guide, coming out November 15th. And we'll be doing a couple things around town and heading down to Charleston as well. And we'll have more info on that, as well as a special Thanksgiving episode to come. Thank you, Michael Eads. Kenneth, thanks so much. Thank you, Mike. It was great talking these cocktail titans with you. We'll see you soon. My name's Mike Wolf, and we'll see you next time. Adam. Thanks, Mike. Love you. Thanks again. Love you guys. Love you, Adam. We'll see you next time right here on Liquid Gold. Later, Tater.